Hello there. You are listening to At The Well, the weekly Bible podcast that helps you see yourself in the stories of Scripture. I'm Jarrell. I'm Charles. And I'm Eli. And we're delighted that you're joining us for this week's discussion. Gentlemen, this is the this is the last episode of season one. We made it. We, we made it. We made it. We made it. Yeah, yeah, yeah. We're going to be dropping an album very soon, listeners. Uh, check it out. At The Well Mixtape. At The Well Mixtape. It's just all our sound checks, but set to auto tune. <laughs> oh, that would be a time. I feel like we could get away with like what mumble rappers are getting away with today. I feel like someone would someone would buy that. Sure, sure, sure. Yeah. We'll start a Patreon and we'll see how it goes. I think I think so. <laughs> Donate to at the well mixtape. It's mostly going to be tracks of me eating popcorn into the mic. Great. Yeah, there you go. Show the merch, gentlemen. Show, show the merch. Let's get things started with an actual question of the week. If you'd like to submit a question for us to answer during the segment, you can email us at threeguysatthewell at gmail.com. That's number three. Then guys at the well, all one word, and lowercase at gmail.com. So, gentlemen, our question for this week is we talked a bit, I'm still we're still on this frozen kick. Well, I'm not well, we're not still on as a group. We talked a bit about frozen in our last episode. So I want to ask a more general Disney question. Who is your favorite Disney villain? Oh, that's right. I love that. Hard hitting question. I do. Okay, so it has to be between Shere Khan. Oh. From I love the Jungle Book. It is by far my favorite movie. Um, Disney movie. Sorry. (laughs) Be real specific there. Um, (laughs) Shere Khan, because Shere Khan's actually not a villain. He is someone who sees. Um, men as troublesome. He sees them as hunters. He sees them as what they are, as dangerous. Mm-hmm. And when he feels like the jungle is threatened, he has, well, albeit very aggressive, <laughs> but he also has a very thorough idea of like, we're in danger and you inviting this man cub into the, and I know this movie so well, and you inviting this man cub into, the, into our jungle puts us in harm's way. Mm-hmm. I'm one to eat him. <laughs> <laughs> or at least, like, I just... The greater good. <laughs> <laughs> yes. Yeah, Shere Khan. You said it was definitely Shere Khan. Or you said you, like, it's between Shere Khan and... Oh, um, Jafar. Okay. So, <laughs> he's weird. He's, yeah, he's weird super weird. <laughs> I don't like him for his purpose. I don't care. He's not a great... He's not a great villain, but he is hilarious. I love how he's drawn. I love his mannerisms. He is... I think if I was a villain, I think I would be between Shere Khan and Jafar. You'd be a mix. I would. Jafar's silliness and how, like, devastatingly terrifying Shere Khan is. Okay, so between those two, you can only have one. Jafar's uh, staff or Shere Khan's tail. Which one? What would you have? Shere Khan's tail was the end of him. So Um, I'm going to choose... No. They tied a burning twig to it, and he, like, whipped yeah, himself like... You're not wrong. Right. But it'd be really cool to have a tail. <laughs> Just me with a tail? Yeah. No, Humans I mean, with tails, I feel like, are kind of weird looking. Anyway, have you I'm ever, sorry. like, been walking into your house, uh-huh. carrying a bunch of groceries, and like, I don't have enough hands for this and to get the door? Tail. I'm no, losing I've ne- my balance. I've never... Oh, ha- tail. I've yeah. never had either of those thoughts, but maybe Jafar You're now. welcome. Okay, thanks. <laughs> <laughs> 
I think so. This is uh, tell an embarrassing story because oh, I don't yes. know if I have a good a good answer, but I will say Ursula, mm, only nice. because Ursula is the only villain that's actually scared me. Mm. Now, I mean, so I have this memory of watching The Little Mermaid with my um, sister, and uh, hiding under the dining room table. Oh, wow. and asking my sister to tell me when Ursula was off the screen because I was Yo. frightened. Yeah, you know, oh, this is last year. No, I'm just kidding. <laughs> this was, I was very, very young. Sure. Um, but that's the only, it's the only memory of like a villain in Disney movies that like I was actually frightened wow. enough that I did not want to be in the same room or see Jeez. this villain. <laughs> she's wow. really like imposing. Like she's terrifying. Poor unfortunate souls. <laughs> oh, it's such a good song. Um, I think for me, it's Scar, simply because he wins. Like Scar is one of very few Disney villains that actually wins. Yeah. And he does for years. Like he dies at the end because they all like die at the end. Right. But like, I get well. I, te- I guess technically Mother Gothel entangled wins for a very long time. Mm. But like. Scar was just like, I want to be king. My brother's in the way. His kid's in the way. I'm going to get rid of him. And he does it for like a generation. He ruins the pride lands because he's so like, yeah. Yeah. Which, see, I I think Scar. Also, the whole pride lands going to crap when he was in charge. It's kind of seen as like this overly melodramatic. Like, well, there's an evil king Mm. in charge. But legitimately... There's things called trophic cascades, which if you look at what Scar did in bringing hyenas into the Pride Lands, would have done that. Like, mm. would have killed all the vegetation and completely warped everything that Pride Rock that and the Pride Lands ecosystem. were. Exactly, would have, like, destroyed that ecosystem because he was overfeeding the hyenas. So mm. it's like, it is a bit of, like, imagery of, like, look what happens when this bad guy is here. But it's also, like, so scientifically accurate, and I love that. I have a fun fact about... Yeah. Nala, particularly. So yes. With the makeup of how prides work, Nala would have had to have either been Mufasa's daughter or Scar's daughter. So that's a yeah. little gross, considering yeah. <laughs> that yeah. he was either Simba's cousin or direct or sister. Yeah. Just saying that. Sorry if I ruined it for some of you, but yeah, that's. <laughs> well, on that note, this week's passage. Uh, thank you, Eli. You're welcome. <laughs> this week. <laughs> I don't know how we're going to recover from I'm that. I'm sorry. <laughs> <laughs> Delete it, Charles. No, leave it in. Leave it in. What, uh, what'd you, what, what'd that podcast you've been listening to, what they talk about this week? Incestuous lions. <laughs> <laughs> what, did, what did your Bible podcast talk about this week? Oh, man. It stays in. It stays in, Charles. <laughs> oh, my gosh. So this, week, this week's passage is from Luke 13, verses 12 to 17. If you have your Bible and aren't driving, you can start turning there now while I set the scene. For 18 years, a woman was plagued with such tremendous back pain that she couldn't stand upright. Doctors had failed her time and time again. She had heard about a man from Nazareth who performed miracles in other towns for people suffering from infirmities far worse than hers. With nothing left to lose, she gathered her things and took off for the synagogue where she knew he was teaching. Maybe, just maybe, this is what she had been waiting for. Maybe this man had a miracle just for her. 
When Jesus saw her, he called her to him and said to her, Woman, you are loosed from your infirmity. And he laid his hands on her, and immediately she was made straight and glorified God. But the ruler of the synagogue answered with indignation, because Jesus had healed on the Sabbath. And he said to the crowd, There are six days on which men ought to work. Therefore, come and be healed on them, and not on the Sabbath day. The Lord then answered him and said, Hypocrite, does not each one of you on the Sabbath loose his ox or donkey from the stall and lead it away to water it? So ought not this woman, being a daughter of Abraham, who Satan has bound, think of it, for 18 years, be loosed from, his, from this bond on the Sabbath? And when he said these things, all his adversaries were put to shame. And all the multitude rejoiced for all the glorious things that were done by him. Gentlemen, what stood out to you from this conversation? So, we first hear about the Sabbath in Genesis chapter 2, right? God blessed the seventh day and made it holy because on it he rested from all the work and creating that he had done. Exodus 20, we get the commandment, remember the Sabbath day, keep it holy. Exodus 31 we get the punishment for disobeying it, which is death. Yeah. Um, and then we get Jesus who heals and see seemingly contradicts what it means to obey the Sabbath. But Jesus's entire ministry brought rest and refreshment and blessing to people who were burdened and hounded, not only by like manual labor, but by overwhelming circumstances like sickness, possession of evil, possession by evil spirits, hopelessness, and even death. And that what that does for me is it triggers, like, why did God make the Sabbath in the first place? Mm. Ultimately, it's for two reasons. The two components are for his glory and for our good. Mm -hmm. um, and so with the first, we're called to remember and acknowledge that God is the source of all things, and he's the creator of all things known and unknown, visible and invisible. Um, and the second is that the Sabbath is for our good. It's a day where the Lord blesses us by dedicating a day to being refreshed from our normal workload. And so God, literally all of Jesus' ministry was like a ministry of the Sabbath. Mm -hmm. yeah, yeah. And for him, like for his opponents to be looking at him and saying, you, God of the flesh, are not allowed to do what you do on this day. I, can, I, I, I get why Jesus was like, who do you think you are? <laughs> I am the, like, Mark 2, 27 to 28. Then Jesus said to the Pharisees, the Sabbath was made for man, not man for the Sabbath. The mm. son of man is the Lord of even the Sabbath. Like, do you know who I am? <laughs> um, so I know that this wasn't particularly in Mark. This is in Luke. But, like, Jesus' fervor for his mission and and just being good to people mm -hmm. and establishing a kingdom which is like built around this rest and refreshment for people. Amen. Mm. I don't need you to tell me what I'm about. Right. Mm. Uh, I love that phrase. Uh, for his glory and our good. Yeah. This idea of the Sabbath. And actually, if you think about the fruit or the result of this conversation, which is really... Or at least the first part of the conversation with Jesus speaking to the woman. You are set free from your alignment. <clears throat> and then he lays his hands on her. The woman's response is to be healed. And there's a physical manifestation of that healing. She she stands up straight. For her good. And for her good. And then mm -hmm. she begins praising God. Yep. Yep. For, for his glory. glory. Amen. Yep. Mm -hmm. And it's just, 
it's incredible. It just uh, we didn't rehearse this. Nope. Like, that's what struck me. And then the other thing is that uh, I put myself in um, in the position of the crowd that's witnessing this here in in the synagogues. Right, they're there on the Sabbath, um, which is another point. Um, Jesus, the result of his conversation results in the ultimate thing that should happen in a synagogue uh, on the Sabbath, mm. or if we put it in our, in our context, in a church on Sunday, on the Lord's Day, worship. Mm-hmm. Um, wow. And so, but being in the crowd, right, like this woman gets healed, and I imagine the emotions were wonder, excitement, and awe, and they get to witness this woman um, uh, healed and then immediately praising the Lord, right, for his or for his glory. And then they've got the, the synagogue leader kind of coming in and being like, well, actually, uh, <laughs> hold up, wait a minute. Yeah. And I'm sure we'll talk about that because mm. there's a lot in the synagogue leader that is just wrong. <laughs> um, <clears throat> so for them, this leader suddenly comes up and was, and I'm sure they're feeling confusion and shame for the emotions that they just had of like uh, wonder and excitement and awe and probably joining this woman and praising the Lord. Um, and then Jesus says what he says, puts him in his place, and it's back to, it says, and the crowd was rejoicing. And I think it was rejoicing in the Lord. Like, oh, actually what I felt when I initially, what initially happened and, and what this woman felt and then initially and then resulted in praise was right. Yep. And we're rejoicing in that. And again, it goes to the, that idea of it is for his glory because then everyone in the synagogue, uh, at least in the way that I am reading it, rejoices in the Lord. Mm. <clears throat> Not so good. It like Jesus restores the desired intention of what the Sabbath is supposed to right. be. And kind yeah. of redeems it from that. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah, I uh, so much of what you guys said has got like where I was going with this. Um, let's kind of start from the beginning. I find it, it it makes me laugh at the beginning because Jesus. Again, we're kind of like on our last episode. There are two conversations happening here. There's Jesus and the woman, sort of, and then Jesus and like the onlookers and the mm-hmm. and the uh, Pharisees. And so Jesus, he doesn't talk to this woman. Like they don't have like a conversation. Yeah, conversation. Right, that's true. He just walks up to her and says, "You're loose from your infirmity." And I, I find that so funny because like Jesus did that. We said like with Zacchaeus and with the woman at the well and the woman caught in adultery. Jesus is very intentional in his ministry, and like encounters people in these deep like desperate moments of their lives very intentionally he's never caught off guard by it and does it for a purpose and so like jesus very clearly did this for a purpose he didn't wait for this woman to like come to him and say can you fix my back he was like you you're loose from your infirmity so that he could make a greater point about the sabbath and it makes me laugh because like the pharisees were constantly trying to trap jesus Mm -hmm. like they were constantly trying to like put him in situations to like conflict with jewish law or custom in ways that would kind of make people disregard his teaching but in here he very clearly traps the pharisees where he seeks this woman out heals her there's not like she glorifies god after that but it's not like a full-on conversation and then immediately turns his attention to like the already like shuffling into the synagogue (laughs) leader who's just like there are six days on which men should work that's how we sounded that's exactly how we sounded british yeah i think so i think so that's how i wouldn't google it but i think so um (laughs) Yeah, and so Jesus is like very intentionally doing this to a point, and not even like 
not even waiting for her to come to him, just saying like, you're free from this. Um, and yeah, there's more I want to say about the, the, the leader, but Charles looks like he's about to, about to cook on that. So I want to let him lead us off. It's just, it, it strikes me. And I feel like sometimes we can do this. Like, I know I've done this too, um, in some way, shape or form, but this, uh, synagogue leader completely is disregarding the miracle yeah. that has taken place. <laughs> he doesn't even he doesn't, acknowledge he, he doesn't acknowledge two things. The fact that a miracle has taken place or that the woman's worshiping the Lord. Yeah. Like he's he's so mm. focused yeah. on the perceived wrong. Mm. Which say it again. Which which if you think about it, the perceived wrong, if he truly was a leader of the synagogue, the perceived wrong is minuscule in compared to what actually resulted of the wrong. And and I, and I think Jesus talks about this too. Like um, you can tell um, a fruit by its tree, right? Like mm-hmm. if, if, if this was a sin or something that the Torah or the law was, had, had said is bad, then there should have been, you know, either repercussions or nothing good have come of it. But if you just look at what happens, if you just took a step back, if you just paused before he spoke, right? right? And just thought, okay, this woman is healed and she's worshiping the Lord. Mm-hmm. Um, maybe I should shut my mouth. Right. Like, like this thing that I think is a sin pointed someone to God. To point someone to God. Maybe it's not all that bad. No. And, it, and, it, and there's nothing wrong with, like, being, like, p- taking pause and, like, studying scripture and being like, wait, why is this actually? Mm-hmm. But he, he doesn't acknowledge any of that. Mm-hmm. He doesn't acknowledge any of that. He goes on his pompous. <laughs> actually. Actually. Like, our sixth day. Like, <laughs> seri- that's what you're going to focus on? Yeah. Come on. But, but I think that's the point. Like, your point's like, yeah, maybe get into the scriptures to see, but, like, the acknowledgement of that, I think, is what's key. Where it's like, if you see something that's like, that doesn't, I don't know how that squares with the word of God. Like, pursue that. But also, pursue the heart of God in that. And not just looking to say, well, this is what the text says. It's like, think about who God is and how he presents himself in scripture. It's like, to that point of, I think, in modern day, yeah, it's to us to hold what we see in the world up to scripture. But also acknowledge the fact that we serve a very creative God. Right. And we also, we shouldn't be pigeonholing him into like the strictest application of the law. Like it's that, this conversation of like the letter of the law versus the spirit of the mm-hmm. law. Right. There's a way to take that in a way that is straight up blasphemy. But when you are Jesus himself being God made man, when you are thinking of God as he is, as the person that he is, to your initial point, Charles, absolutely. You see, well, he is a God of restoration. He is a God of healing. He is a God of freedom. And the Sabbath is one of the things that reminds us of that. So why would you, seeing God in context, like rebuke this act that accomplishes exactly what the Sabbath is for? It's kind of this like, it's fine, again, like in a different way. It's fine to have those doubts, those questions, but like hold them up to scripture and consider the character of God in your considering of like his word and the commandments, even from like the Old Testament. Yeah, um, there's so two points just to like piggyback off of how exciting this is. Um, so the fact that he did something miraculous at minimum means that Jesus is a prophet, like minimum, mm-hmm. um, which means he is someone worthy of paying attention to, listening to, and like heeding. Yeah. Um, but the next one is just like 
I read this and I immediately thought of the Pharisee Gamaliel when he mm-hmm. is advising the other Pharisees when they're like persecuting the mess out of the early church. Mm-hmm. And he very quickly said, leave these men alone, let them go for if they're purpose or activities of human origin it will fail yeah, but yeah. if it is from god you will not be able to stop these men you will only find yourselves fighting against god mm-hmm. and i'm just like where was that spirit of wisdom with any of these men who were persecuting jesus mm. clearly not with any of them mm-hmm. um yeah just to charles's point of just like are you really so pressed on your own point on being right mm-hmm. like what is it proverbs 18 2 is like a fool does it um seek understanding but only uh seeks to air their own mm-hmm. their own opinion mm-hmm. what fools he was dealing with but that's also scary because these are the people who were in authority for synagogues for the same like that's terrifying mm-hmm. to be in a place where you have leadership that does not have your best interest in mind particularly when it means being a mediator between you and god yes Pastors, listen up. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> no, that's, yeah, that's absolutely it. And just kind of the notion that it was somehow more holy and God-pleasing for someone to continue to suffer because it was the Sabbath than to be healed on the Sabbath. Yeah. And just kind of, it really asked, <clears throat> excuse me, it really asked the question of, I think all of us, like, what is our lens in conversation, particularly because we've talked to it, in this season especially about when we see things that appear uh as sin or things that straight of our sinful like what is our intention and uh, we touched on like in john three with nicodemus he says like the son of man came in the world not to condemn it but that through him um people would find salvation i think there's that constant refrain to us of like what is our heart when we're dealing with like the sin within us the sin within others and the sin of the world like yeah. is it to be right is it to just kind of stand in judgment and say this is absolutely wrong and you are judged because of it or are we seeking the heart of god for that person for our enemies for those that uh have maybe abandoned him uh do we want salvation or do we want condemnation and i think this guy shows that like he absolutely wanted condemnation he wanted to be right yeah but didn't actually want a fuller expression of who god is to be shown because that would have made him look bad yeah 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 Yeah. Mm -hmm. agreed wow one of the things that I also I had a just like a pondering about, um, other than just this very crooked synagogue leader. Um, He's getting a lot of heat today. He <laughs> this heat nameless <laughs> better to receive her uh, heat today on yep. Earth than heat later in the afterlife. Well, um, well say so again. I was also just from the perspective of this woman who'd been dealing with an issue for eighteen years, mm-hmm. like the prayers that she must have prayed, the hopelessness that she feel, and just, like, having to endure that. And the fact that she had been, like, I don't know if she'd been coming to synagogue current, like, Mm. all of this time, but my assumption, which could be wrong, is that she had been. Mm -hmm. Um, And so to be met by God in a place and given this miraculous healing, that is interaction enough, right? Mm -hmm. Um, But it was like, why was this woman allowed to suffer with physical discomfort for 18 years is the question Mm -hmm. that popped into my head. And an answer, one that is provided in scripture from a different passage, John 9, 1 through 7. He, this is when Jesus is healing this blind man and one of his disciples asked if Why his parents said, right. And he says, but this happened so that the works of God might be displayed in him. 
As long as it is day, you must do the works of him who sent me, Jesus referring to himself. Night is coming when no one can work. Again, an issue of the Sabbath, right? While I am in the world, I am the light of the world. And this really profound existence came among us for a time and absolutely flipped paradigms of justice and mercy and um, what is good and what is pleasing to God on their head. Because mm -hmm. he was focused on the heart of the law that he gave to his people while his people were, were obsessed with the letter of it. And the light of the world hasn't left yet. And I, the church is called to be light and salt mm -hmm. now. Mm -hmm. Now that um, the head of the church has ascended. And so just wanting those who are listening, who are part of the church and, or who are inquisitive about the church, like this is the continued role that like God's presence has not presence has not left mm -hmm. earth. His kingdom is still here. And while our master is away, we, by his spirit, mm -hmm. as we said before in the conversation with Nicodemus about this notion of being born again, being born in the spirit of God, like God is still active in and on the earth. Um, and so these issues of sickness and folklessness, while they may not all be fulfilled in the way that we want them to, that doesn't mean that they're not all going to shape up or there won't be any sort of miraculous behavior that takes place while we're, while we're here now. Mm -hmm. Um, so just a message of hope yeah. for those who have that like 18 year long struggle. Mm -hmm. Good word. Yeah, absolutely. Very good. Well, as we said at the beginning of this episode, this is the last episode of season one, Candid Conversations. We've been looking at various conversations Jesus had with people throughout his ministry and analyzing the life-altering impact of his words. So as we prepare to close this season out and then move on to our next one, which I'll say a bit about in a second, I wanted to reserve a space at the end of this for closing thoughts. You know, we've talked about a lot of different people, we've talked a lot about Jesus, and to put to you guys, what are the things, the themes, the uh, ideas, the words, the things that really you saw as like consistently coming up and that the Lord really kind of grabbed a hold of you with as kind of a, a parting like food for thought and something to chew on for our listeners and really for ourselves? Uh, I think for me, it's something we've, we have touched on and maybe touched on each, each episode. And uh, I'll, I'll quote... Um, I'll quote an unexpected source, um, Julie Chen from Big Brother. Um, expect the unexpected, or kind of the, the catchphrase of Big Brother. Expect the unexpected. Because in each one of these candid conversations, we kind of tease this in the title, they're candid. Um, when you look at the woman at the well who was just going to get some water, Zacchaeus who just wanted to see this guy, um, the woman caught in adultery, uh, Nicodemus, like all of these situations, the wedding at Cana, John, the crippled woman, there, Jesus is is speaking to someone and doing something, um, revealing something in a very uh, unexpected place or unexpected time, um, and we've talked about how that is could be true for us, um, how the Lord can reveal himself can speak to us can um 
console us, can uh, save us, redeem us in unexpected places, mm. places that we don't necessarily would be expecting him. Mm. Um, um, I think we should expect him to reveal and speak to us in the places that we expect in scripture at church um, among brothers and sisters, but not to blind ourselves to unexpected ways, to have um, an awareness that the Lord is bigger. Um, and he's the creator of of everything and so he can reveal himself he can speak to us um, we can encounter him uh, in a tree we can encounter him in the midst of persecution we can encounter him in questions and doubts um, and not to um, not to not expect that mm -hmm. but to be always aware to have our eyes open our ears open to the way the Lord might be moving speaking um, to us in unexpected times and places. Hmm. Nice. Well said. Very well yeah, said. Very well said. And so to piggyback off of that, Charles, um, in Jesus meeting people in their everyday, um, while the Bible is divinely inspired, um, it is not so grandiose that you can't see yourself in it. Mm. And I think that's Preach. one of the major things that we wanted to like push forward in this candid conversations first season. Um, and so, so often we think that we have to be the authors of our own stories. One of the slogans of our generations of our generation is write your own story. Like, but in Jesus speaking and encountering these people, he is informing them that they are a part of a much bigger one. You, if you're listening today, you were born into a much bigger story. You're a part of God's. You're a part of his narrative. You exist for a reason. And nothing that you experience is without purpose. And so allow yourself every single day to reflect on the fact that you exist in the image of God. And he is, if you don't, especially if you don't know him, is seeking to reach out to you in a way that will, yes, cause a shift in your life, change the trajectory of it. Um, but that comes with joy and will draw you closer to this story that is ultimately written about both you uh, and the Lord for his glory and for your good. Mm. Absolutely. Um, I think other, there, I think there are two main things that stuck out for me and like the threads that were kind of carried through every episode. Um, I think Charles, to your point, my first one is pretty simply just don't miss Jesus. Mm. Like don't miss him in the ways that he's revealing himself to you. Um, I think particularly one thing I wrote down is that we as Christians cannot afford to grow complacent regarding the countercultural nature of Jesus's ministry. And that, and when we look over these scripture passages, you know, having read uh, all of the scriptures with the benefit of hindsight, it's very easy for people who have been walking with the Lord for however long to think that, oh yeah, I, if if Jesus was here today, I'd be one of those people who got it. And it's like, mm. but but. There's a lot of evidence to suggest that we really wouldn't. Like, Jesus didn't show up, like you said, to your point, Charles, in ways that people expected. Like, he met with a woman caught in adultery, a tax collector, um, and people who would have been, like, emblematic of what sin looked like at the time and met them with mercy and not condemnation that people around them would have thought they justly deserved. He went at teachers of the law who were seen as holy and reigned fiery indignation down on them 
for believing themselves uh, to be right with God, for believing themselves to be kind of puffed up with their understanding. Like, Jesus didn't show up in ways that people expected. And I think that it's easy for Christians to kind of take that for granted in our own lives. Say, well, I've read, I have all of scripture now. I've read it. I've studied it. So I get it. And I can clearly see where Jesus is moving. And I hope that that's true. But I think that we should always posture ourselves with humility when we're talking about Jesus Christ. Because he has, as we've seen through this season, an uncanny ability to like knock us on our butt and show us just how much more creative and thoughtful and insightful he is with the way he advances his kingdom. Um, so I got, I got two part with that is like, don't miss Jesus. Don't kind of put him in a box to say, this is what I think Jesus has to look like. Um, take every, take what you see and hold it up to the scriptures. So the second point would just be, uh, it's a passage from Ezekiel, eat the scroll. Like if you're, if you've been walking with the Lord for a while, the way we don't miss Jesus is by devouring his word and by recognizing ways that he is consistent and ways that God the Father is consistent and the ways that if Jesus Christ is the same today, yesterday, and tomorrow, it says in Hebrews 13, then we can count on this God who is countercultural in this time to still be countercultural today. And we need his word to discern what is of him and what is not of him. That discernment is not based on our comfort. It's based on his word, and we need to give that its due in our lives. Um, so that's a word for uh, people who are currently walking with the Lord and Christians to not miss Jesus. But I think to people who are still, who are still kind of considering uh, a relationship with Christ, I would just say that he is so much more than you think. And he is so willing to take whatever it is that you have. He's so willing to take whatever it is that you've been carrying or struggling with and to reveal more of himself in that. Um, he will meet you where we are. Like I got uh, green eggs and ham vibes for Charles of like in a tree, in a boat. Like, <laughs> this thing. Um, but like really, like real talk, but that's, that's Jesus. And he can and will meet you where you are. And just like we saw with the example with the best wine um, at the wedding in Cana, he will be so much more than you could ever ask or imagine. So lean into that and lean into him because he is willing and able to do those things for you. Amen. Amen. Well, that is all for this week. That is all for this season, brothers. I, I'm so happy right now. It's been a joy to be able to get this started with you all. Indeed. Um, we will be back soon with our second season, which is titled Just Like Us. It is a more in-depth discussion about different biblical characters and ways that they are just like you and me, sometimes for the better and sometimes for the very, very humbling worse. <laughs> uh, but thank you so much for listening uh, and following through us with this season. You can check us out at atthewell.podbean.com. We upload new episodes every Monday on Podbean, Apple Podcasts, and Spotify. You can also connect with us on Twitter and Instagram by searching Three Guys at the Well and head over to our Facebook page to keep the conversation going in a space reserved for further discussion of the topics we cover in each week's episode. We'll talk to you next week here at the Well.